We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome to the BCP Podcast. Happy Monday. Merry Christmas. This is your brother, your host, James, a.k.a. BCP, thus the name, the BCP Podcast, Black Conservative Patriot. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend with your family, and uh, let's get right into it. Let's get right into the things I want to cover for you. There was a report here from ABC News the week before last. And it's saying that only 14% of U.S. adult population is taking the updated COVID vaccine. And that's per the CDC. But we're, we're going to see today, We, if you don't already know, uh, uh, newsflash, newsflash, just in case you didn't know, you can't trust the CDC. Just just in case you hadn't realized that, you you can't trust the CDC. You can't trust the World Health Organization. Unless you're China or Big Pharma, then you can trust them to do what you want. But if you're a sovereign individual, if you're a citizen of the world, let's keep it to the, to the U.S. If you're a citizen of the United States, you can't trust the CDC. And uh, this is not good news for Big Pharma. About 36 million American adults have received the updated COVID vaccine per the CDC. This is equivalent to 13.9% of the U.S. adult population. Now, what's very interesting about this is that uh, I rounded up to 14%, but it's actually, according to these numbers, less than 14%. Are people waking up? I wonder. I wonder what's really going on here. ABC News reads, an estimated 36 million adults in the United States have received the updated COVID-19 vaccine, according to new data from the federal government. Additionally, about three and a half million children have also gotten the updated shot, according to the survey, which is a simple, which is a sample size of the U.S. population from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Now, I don't want to be rude or crude but parents who give their kids a shot should be shot. 
not by a gun necessarily, but they should get a shot in the arm, a, a, a noogie, a wake-up call, maybe a backhanded slap. They, they say, follow the science. Listen to the science. Well, the science said from the very beginning and never really, really deviated, even from the very beginning, we got the right information and then we never really got too much misinformation. It was never told to us that children are at high risk for COVID. Then it turns out if kids got the vaccine, they're at higher risk for COVID, but that's okay. They won't die. Ah, brother. So... It says that this number is roughly equal to the number of Americans who had received the uh, bivalent booster, which was targeted against different COVID variants by this time last year. So what does that mean? That it's kind of flatlined, that it hasn't increased or decreased, that it's about the same? So are we seeing that about 15% of the population are sheep that would get the booster? Oh, oh. The booster doesn't work anymore. Get the new one. So they're getting the new one. So about the same amount of people haven't woken up yet. This is lower than the nearly half of the adults who said they plan to get the vaccine in a poll conducted in September. So once again, you know, polls, people said they were going to take the vaccine, but when the vaccine actually came out, less than half of them actually took it. What you say what you're going to do in a poll and what you actually do in a poll aren't always the same, especially when there's, you know, pressure and distrust. Oh, yeah, I'll say I take the vaccine. But when the rubber hits the road, they don't. Poll results showed that 23% of U.S. adults said they would definitely get the updated booster and 23% said they would probably get it. So there you have it. A quarter said they would get it. Less than 14% actually did. All right, this is some some pretty good stuff here um, that we're going to look at. But then we're going to look at the sobering numbers and the reality of it. But uh, there's reporting that the uh, the vaccine injury lawsuits, the lawfare against Big Pharma is increasing. Injured by a Pfizer Messenger RNA vaccine, you can sue every ingredient maker independently on a, under unadulterated product law. Links to lawyers below, and then they, uh, they link to a Steve Kirsch substack that has lawyers that are taking on these cases. Now, why are uh, lawyers taking on these cases? Before people were trying to sue, they weren't getting anywhere because this is emergency use authorization, right? There, there is no liability. And people were forced to take this. This really is a sad, a, a sad state of affairs. And, and what's saddening to me is that there are so many. I've talked about a friend I have, a dear friend, been a friend for years, been a friend for years. Very interesting. Um, I, I had this friend. I'll call them. I'll, I'll call this friend Jay and my other friend E, and myself, when we were in our early twenties. Um, it's really funny. We we all ended up marrying. I grew up in uh, mostly northern San Diego County. I'm sometimes these these are guys that I knew from northern San Diego County in my early adulthood cuz you know that's where I grew up mostly uh, as a teenager. 
uh, we all ended up dating and marrying girls from Mexico that all knew each other. They all knew each other as teenagers. So we knew each other as teenagers and young adults. And then they knew each other as, as teenagers and young adults. But we all met our, our wives in the United States. Very interesting. Very interesting. And all of our respective wives knew each other as young adults and or teenagers. That's nothing to do with anything, but this is the BCP podcast. And that's what you get sometimes from me, James, the, uh, the happy-go-lucky, happily married man. But this friend I have, Jay, he, uh, engineer, I'm, t- I'm, I'm talking a literal, literal rocket science scientist. For those not aware, you know, we've got Hughes and other uh, offshoots and affiliates still in the uh, areas outside the LAX area that still are doing like aeronautical engineering and things like that. It's just really cool stuff. Really smart guy. But his employer, because they are government con- do government contract work, are very, very onerous when it comes to the, uh, the mandates. And obviously, he makes a good living as an engineer and very, very intelligent, smart guy and just keeps getting these damn injections and he keeps getting sick. But I haven't heard from him in the last year say that he would, got, he would have gotten sicker or maybe even died if he hadn't gotten that, those shots. I, I believe the last time he got a shot was last year. Last time I talked to him, he was kind of ambivalent about it, but it sounded like uh, he was done with the shots and getting COVID. But now people can sue. People can sue over this, and people are suing over this. As we covered on this program, Marjorie Taylor Greene held a hearing on the COVID-19 vaccine injuries a few weeks ago. She had Dr. Malone, Dr. Uh, uh, Kim Biss. Man, Dr. Uh, Kim came out with some really, really uh, interesting stories about and, 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 and anecdotal data from her particular practice, very sobering about the increased miscarriage rate. And this, uh, she, she gave a story about this person, this vaccine injury. Once again, it was a government contractor, kind of like my friend, government contractor who was, was forced to take it if they wanted to keep uh, their employment. Make sure you go back if you missed those segments on the on this show. So Marjorie Taylor Greene had uh, this hearing. It, it's it's gotten awareness again. It's gotten awareness again. It, it, see see these periodic revisits are important because you know the news cycle happens, life happens, and people forget. You know we forget that we still don't really know what happened in Las Vegas. Massacre. I bring that up because it's important to me. I haven't forgotten about East Palestine. So it's important that these hearings keep taking place so people realize what's going on. So there are a couple things that are out there. There's something called the CICP, Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program. And uh, there, there's two programs offered by this Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program and the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. 
It's for claims associated with the COVID-19 vaccines. And it was created in the unlikely event that you experience a serious injury from covered countermeasures and you could be eligible for benefits. But let's look at the actual numbers. When we look at the actual numbers of what's happening so far, it's sobering. Hopefully things will get better. The data for fiscal year 2010 through 2023, as of the beginning of this month, shows that there was a total of 12,898 uh, uh, claims filed. That's over a 13-year period. Okay? Now, let's just round it up to, to 13,000 to make the math easy. Of those 13,000 over 13 years, 12,300 more than that, but let's call it 12,300 were related to COVID-19 injuries. 96% of the claims were related to COVID-19 countermeasures. All of these were after the release of the vaccine. Now, it, when, we, when we discussed this uh, last week, we talked about that there were only eight claims played, uh, paid out. That's eight claims paid out for the fiscal year. So the new fiscal year apparently started November 1st. So that was only eight, but there's been 38 paid out so far. Now here, here's, this is, this is, this is really upsetting. As of November 1st, only 1,621 COVID-19 claims have rendered decisions. So here has, here's how it breaks out. There's 12,358 total COVID-19 claims. 10,700 plus are still pending review or in review. There's only been 1,621 decisions. 33 were found eligible for compensation. Only eight have been paid. 1588 were, were declined. <sighs> wow. These numbers are small, but look at, the, look at these amounts. Now, th this really caught my attention. This really caught my attention. What were the injuries being paid, uh, paid, uh, paid out? Well, myocarditis was the leading. And look at the paltry amounts paid. Myocarditis and claim, we're looking at claims 31 through 38 for the last fiscal year. So claim, let's just call the second claim of the year, 1583, 1,000 paid out for one claim. The highest claim here I see was 8,900, almost 9,000. I guarantee you any one of these claims in a private lawsuit would have been worth more than, I mean, how, how do you, how do you, how do you, Put a price on health. You can put a price on health, folks. That's what I did. When I worked for Arthur Anderson, we built economic models. We built damage analysis models to, to prove uh, company A would, would sue company B. But in this instance, it would be uh, someone sues Pfizer, Moderna, etc. for damages, health damages. How do you quantify that so that you can go to court, go to court and, and and sue them for thirty three point four million dollars? That's what I did at Arthur Anderson. Well, that's what we did as a group, but that's what I did as the economist uh, on the team is building the models to quantify these things, the, writing the equations. It sounds fancy, but it was you know loss of wages, time off work, future earnings, plus all of the actual 
uh, costs incurred by, in this case, you know, in this case, it would be someone uh, has myocarditis. How much of the medical cost them? How much time off of work? How much future loss of wages, uh, opportunity cost wages, and all these types of things. Plus, plus, then then we had another team uh, that that would uh, that would look at things like non. I didn't do I didn't do those. I, I I dealt with the hard numbers, but we had some economists there that were more advanced than me that worked in models I would have to do with like pain and suffering and all those types of things. Then we would add those all together. We'd put that into a model, and then that's what the experts would present in court. So I'm looking at these numbers, and I can easily justify. Uh, you know, I don't know if these are minors. So in minors, you have. You don't have lost wages necessarily, but you definitely have a lifetime of damages of, of possible lost future wages. So these numbers are laughable. 2000 for uh, anaphylaxis. That's um, an allergic reaction. Myocarditis, right? The inflammation of the heart. 1583, 1033, 3958. 4,183, 4,934, 8,961, and then uh, myoper, myopericarditis, and I had to look that up. That's an acute form uh, of, I have it here, that's an acute form of pericarditis, that got paid out at 4100 So all these people who have died and been injured, this is what's been paid out so far on this fund for the fiscal year. That's it. That's it. That's a uh, paltry amount. So we looked at again of the eight, six were myocarditis. One was this myopericarditis. Could never be a doctor. I could actually be a doctor because I have terrible handwriting. But I couldn't be a doctor because I can't pronounce. Uh, I speak Spanish and I speak Portuguese and I can get by with Italian. But for some hard reason, when I'm speaking in English and have to turn to Latin, I can't pronounce these. But seven of the eight having to do with the heart. Now we've got this. Just want to mention this quickly. A lot of times, folks, you'll notice that I, I'm mentioning these these stories really quickly because they may be important later, and I want to plant them in your subconscious. And you go like, "Oh yeah, James talked about that on his show. I remember a, a while back." So just in case we may find ourselves in that situation again, uh, let me tell you what's going on in the UK. This is what we've got going on. Just uh, just for you to be informed just for you to be informed. Just hearing from the UK's Health Security Agency that the UK's first human case of the flu strain H1N2, which has been circulating in pigs, 
has been detected. So this is serious because it's moved from uh, pigs into uh, the human population. It's a single confirmed human case, according uh, to the UK Health Security Agency. Um, it's uh, influenza is similar to the flu virus, is currently circulating in pigs. Uh, as is usual, early in this emerging infection, uh, the UK HSA is working closely with partners to work out the characteristics of the pathogen and assess what risks it poses to human health, uh, because they're not sure on that. They say that the case was detected as part of a routine national flu surveillance. Uh, the individual concerned experienced a mild illness. I think it's interesting. If you look here, it's the uh, UK Health Security Agency, and they found it. That, that this all sounds, This all sounds like cloak and dagger stuff. This all sounds like cl clandestine services. This all sounds like espionage. The UK Health Security Agency. How, how do they find it? How do they find it again? Part of a routine national flu surveillance, uh, the individual concerned experienced a mild illness. They found it through surveillance. Is it just me or is this a, I don't know, just, just all of these espionage words. It was surveillance they found it uh, the UK Health Security Agency. I know it's the war against sickness, right? Sickness being the enemy the, the, that must be surveilled. Now, let, let me go over here to the Guardian article. Kind of uh, a, a cut to the, uh, to the important parts of what happened here. You'll find this very, very interesting. I do. The person infected who has not been identified had a mild illness and has recovered. They were not hospitalized and were not known to have worked with pigs. They got a swine flu, but were not known to have contact with swine. How they came to be infected remains under investigation. Maybe it was a bio lab. Maybe a bio lab in the UK, like the one in California. I mean, who knows what the origin of this is? Or maybe like that movie Contagion, we're supposed to believe that a bat flew, pooped into a pig, a pig ate it. And then uh, who was it? Gwyneth Paltrow went to a restaurant and, and the, the chef didn't properly wipe, wipe his hands and the whole world got wiped out. We're supposed to think that that's how it happens, that it's all organically, it happens all naturally, not that it happens through bio labs or this is a bioweapon, neither the sickness nor the, 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 the supposed vaccine or bioweapons. But yet, yet we have the news. Remember I reported here several months ago, what was it, in the spring of this year? I said, hey, this may, like I did before, go, this, this, here's a story. Let's see what, what comes of it. But a bio lab was discovered because a person was doing an inspection on a building that was supposed to be abandoned and they found that there was this bioweapons lab, uh, this, bio, the, this lab going, and then it turns out the person is being paid by the Communist Chinese Party and they're messing with bioweapons in this bio lab. But this really, really got murky. This, this is, I want, I want to go over to this great uh, segment, this great segment that happened on uh, Morning Futures. It happened on Morning Futures um, with uh, 
uh, on Fox News with the fill-in for Maria Bartiromo yesterday. And they had Representative Gallagher. Representative Gallagher explains to us how absolute treason by the CDC and the FBI when it comes to these bio labs. What is going to happen next? What's really going on? The, the infiltration of the CCP into California and the United States via being covered by the FBI, the CDC, the Manchurian candidate, fake president Joe Biden, who is a puppet of the CCP, is absolutely astounding. Listen to this bombshell information. On this and other threats abroad is Mike Gallagher, the chairman of the House Select Committee on China, Wisconsin congressman and former Marine serving two tours in Iraq. Congressman, uh, good to see you. Thanks for joining me. Congressman, I want to move on to China because uh, we've seen the Chinese spy balloon. We see that they're buying American farmland. Uh, they steal our technology. But I want to talk to you about the secret bio lab run by uh, Chinese with ties to the CCP in Wheatley, California. How many of these uh, secret bio labs exist around the country? Excellent question. Excellent question. I don't watch Fox News. Who was the host? Who was the host of this segment? Let me look up who the host of the segment was because I don't, I, don't, I don't recognize the personalities and the fill-ins. Obviously, that's not uh, Maria Bartiromo. Uh, he, he may identify as Maria Bartiromo because this is 2023 and you can identify as whatever you want and you can change what you identify. So right now, maybe he's Maria Bartiromo fluid. Right now, he's fluidly, <laughs> sorry, bad joke. Uh, let, let me get back to this segment. But um, great question. This biolab was found by accident in California. How many other biolabs are there? Fair question. The fact that we don't have an answer is even more disconcerting. The honest answer is we don't know. And what worries me in doing this investigation, uh, my committee conducted the investigation, we have a bipartisan report that explains the whole thing that Americans can read, is that if the FBI director or the president turned to the FBI director and said, hey, we need to figure out how many of these we have in the United States, they wouldn't even know where to begin. They wouldn't even know where to begin. Wow. By the way, the, uh, the person is Sean Duffy. Sean Duffy, who's conducting this interview. Excellent question. Mike Gallagher's got some more scary information for us, though. Here we had a Chinese citizen who came to America illegally. He was fleeing a $330 million judgment for intellectual property theft on behalf of the Chinese government. Did you catch that? He was an agent of the CCP. He set up this lab and he was buying dangerous pathogens, including Ebola, including tuberculosis, including HIV, online. So we have no trip guard, we have no trip wires in place, no safeguards in place in order to prevent potentially a hostile actor from buying dangerous pathogens in order to damage America. Buying dangerous pathogens online and having them delivered to a murky, creepy, clandestine, hidden, secret, unknown biolab in the middle of California. How did this happen? It just happens under the nose. I mean, a, a biolab under the nose of everybody in California. Of course not. Of course not. This is a cover-up. This is just like the Hunter Biden laptop story or anything else that the deep state is aware of, but they don't want you to be aware of. And then they go into cover-up mode 
when it gets discovered. Ask yourself, after listening to what Representative Mike Gallagher says, if the CDC and the FBI are really on our side or not, just in case you were already questioning that and didn't know the answer. And then when the local officials found this, and it was all because a local and business a building inspector saw a pipe sticking out of what was supposed to be an abandoned building, they called the FBI. The FBI said, well, we can't investigate because there's no ties to WMD, which is absurd. They called the CDC. The CDC hung up on them initially, and it wasn't until the local congressman got on the case that the CDC was forced to send a team to investigate, and that wasn't until many, many months later. All right, let, let us delve into this for just a few seconds here, a minute, a few moments. The FBI immediately said, oh, there's no weapons of mass destruction, so we can't look into it. Really? So we went to a war in, in Afghanistan over weapons of mass destruction that was of no threat to us, which was false, not even there. But... The FBI couldn't do anything about it. They couldn't refer the proper agency to look into a possible weapons of mass destruction. And that almost makes me think it is a bioweapons lab by them saying it's not a weapon of mass destruction. That's how much I distrust the Federal Bureau of Insurrection. And then the CDC hangs up. That sounds like panic mode to me. Now, listen closely to what Representative Gallagher is saying here. He outlines this. Remember, he starts off by saying, and remind, uh, this guy was a CCP guy. The CDC doesn't want to cooperate. The FBI is, doesn't want to investigate. This all shows the power, the soft underbelly of these treasonous, traitorous rat bastards working within our alphabet agencies in cahoots for and in behalf of the Chinese Communist Party on our soil. So this has revealed a huge soft underbelly in our domestic national security. It's incredibly troubling. We need to do more to prevent this from happening. We've all seen what can happen to our society when we don't have vigilance against potential pathogens and a pandemic in the last few years. And we know beyond anything else, beyond anything else, the one thing that the pandemic should have taught us is that you cannot trust the Chinese Communist Party when it comes to this issue. So the enemy here appears to be the CDC and the FBI. But then Representative Gallagher says he doesn't trust the CDC with this issue, which we shouldn't, right? They unleashed this bioweapon on the world. And Sean Duffy, man, I like this guy. He's all over it. He's asking the right questions of Representative Gallagher. Watch this next clip. And I'm going to end this clip on the cliffhanger question that Sean Duffy asks Representative Gallagher. This is one of the better segments I've seen on Fox News. I like Maria Bartiromo, but Sean Duffy, I'll have, to look, I'll have to look into him. Does he have his own show? I don't know. I don't watch Fox. But this guy's a damn good interviewer. And, and what's the most outrageous part of the story is not just that you have a Chinese biolab in America, which, by the way, I, I, why would there be a Chinese biolab here? They can have as many biolabs as they want in China, but it's actually in this country. The fact that the CDC, Congressman, 
wouldn't go, of course, we're going to immediately you know, be on site the very next day to investigate how China could set up this lab, have these kind of bio weapons in the lab. Instead, they hang up the phone and the FBI refuses to investigate as well. It begs the question, did the CDC or the FBI actually know this lab existed? Is that why they didn't come in and, and investigate? Did they already know it was there and that's why they didn't want to investigate it? Sean Duffy is awakened here with his line of questioning. The CDC is in on this. Is that why they didn't want to come and look at it? But that's actually, according to Mike Gallagher, not really the case. I think on this one, uh, Sean Duffy is onto, uh, onto something and Representative uh, Gallagher is just giving us the official answer from the CDC. Uh, well, based on our investigation, uh, they did not know it existed until the local officials discovered it. So the local official, after seeing the pipe, went inside the building and saw a bunch of people in lab coats. Most of them were Chinese citizens, and there were all these vials that were labeled in Mandarin, eventually discovered to be even labeled Ebola or HIV. Chinese people working in a bio lab in the U.S. John Duffy's right. Why the hell? Why would China need a bio lab? looking at Obama, uh, working with dangerous pathogens in the United States. How come this isn't the biggest story? Amazing. Oh, this was an elaborate operation. Listen, listen, listen to the freezers and everything else they found there. There was one case where there was a freezer when the CDC finally did get there. There was a medical grade freezer and inside were these sort of silver Ziploc bags. And because the bags themselves were not labeled Ebola, though the freezer was labeled Ebola, they refused to even test the sample. So even when they got on site, they refused to actually do their job. Again, it's incredibly troubling. And there's hyperbole and then there's understatement. Now, I like hyperbolic statements. I'm a little exaggerative. That's that that last statement from Representative Gallagher is the exact opposite of hyperbolic in its understatement. Troubling is is probably the softest word. It's terrifying that these things are happening under our noses, meaning on our soil. And it's being covered by the CDC, the FBI, and everybody else. And then listen, this is the last clip I'm playing from this segment. But listen to all the other details they give us in just this next segment. Full-on dangerous operation on American soil by an agent of the CCP who is doing fraudulent things. And Representative Gallagher draws the proper conclusion. And the guy who owned the facility claimed that he had a, a medical uh, testing kit business, uh, but it was fraudulent. He had fake pregnancy tests, fake COVID tests, and there's really no business reason for him to be buying pathogens no. online. There's no, and he was getting unexplained wire transfers from China, over $2 million of unexplained wire transfers from China. Again, incredibly troubling. We have to do a better job of defending our homeland from a potential attack involving dangerous pathogens. He said it again, it's very troubling. Very troubling that this guy fraudulently had a fraudulent business that was full of fraud, getting millions of dollars from China to operate in, in the United States. And then he says, we have to do a better job of protecting ourselves against a bio attack, essentially.
with pathogens here, here in the United States in California. I mean, here in the United States in the state of, of California. Wow. And how many of these labs are operating? Oh, I don't know. Maybe not in Texas or Florida, but maybe in New York, Massachusetts, Chicago area, anywhere around D.C., where the CDC would be like, oops, we didn't know, even though that's under our noses. Scary stuff indeed. Are you worried? Or am I being uh, hyperbolic? Okay. <laughs> How about this? How about this? I-, I found this to be very interesting. Pfizer sues Poland because it doesn't want to buy more COVID-19 vaccines. That was tweeted out over the weekend by former presidential contender Larry Elder, who never even made it to the fake RNC debates. Man, the, the news is truly, it truly is stranger than fiction. You know what? It's true. The uh, uh, true life is stranger than fiction. Okay, let's get into this. Why is Pfizer suing Poland? Oh, because it doesn't want to buy more COVID-19 vaccines. Why? Well, when you delve into the particulars of the article, Pfizer suing Poland over vaccines. This is how we got here. The court case is the latest fallout from Ursula von der Leyen's massive COVID-19 vaccine contract. This is from last week, Politico. It took a while, but the bill finally came. U.S. pharmaceutical giant Pfizer is taking the Polish government to court over missing payments for 60 million doses of the COVID-19 vaccine it developed with BioNTech. Well, let's cut to the chase. They had too many vaccines. Too many vaccines. Dissent from Poland and other countries going, look, this was an agreement with the EU. They promised uh, you Pfizer that that we would buy that the EU and 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 the member countries were going to buy all these things. We didn't need it. The sickness wasn't as bad, and people were waking up, and there wasn't as much demand for it. But uh, Pfizer doesn't care. It, uh, it it's time to collect, baby. Ursula promised us that uh, a lot of people get injected. We need our big pharma, and Poland. You you were the initial ones to lead this push against, hey, we don't want any more of these things. The EU signed this contract. We're a member country, but hell, we don't need that much. We don't want to pay that 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 amount. Do you see why I am for separate sovereign states and I'm not for this John Lennon one world government? Because this is what happens. The EU said, we're going to buy all of this stuff, kissing the big pharma ass of Pfizer and all these other companies. And then... Uh, sticking their member states with the bill. And when Poland says, screw you, gives the middle finger saying, we, we don't need it. People aren't getting as sick. It doesn't work. And people don't want to take it anyway. So we don't, we don't want it. We don't want to pay for it. Pfizer goes uh, to the courts. By the way, they went to the court in Brussels. Uh, says somewhere here in the article, they did that because, you know, that's where the agreement was signed. In 2021, the commission signed a game-changing contract with Pfizer. And that is why 
uh, they're they're doing this uh, in in Brussels because the EU did it, and so they're taking them to court there. So if you're a Polish citizen, there goes your taxpayer dollars. It's not just going to the Eurocrats, but now it's going to your country to defend themselves in the uh, European courts in uh, in Brussels against Big Pharma. Like they didn't make enough money as it is. All right. What are your thoughts on any of the stories that I covered? Patreon, Posse, Locals, Posse, uh, the uh, the Posse, listening to this on the BCP podcast. Uh, if you're on Spotify, the Spotify crew, please give me your thoughts and comments. Uh, I'm curious to see what your thoughts are. I'll be back. Until the next one, ciao, goodbye. God bless. We're in a situation where we have put together and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. 